Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. We have with us today Daniel Sanchez. Daniel is an engineering director at one of the biggest FMCG companies in the world and a good friend of the podcast. You all know that cash flow management is one of the core pillars of corporate treasury. Treasurers are usually the ones dealing with the implications of cash flow forecasts, so we wanted to speak to someone who creates those forecasts, and Daniel has made tens, if not hundreds, of cash flow forecasts in his very impressive career. In this episode, he will talk us through the importance of cash flow forecasts for a company, how it enables activities such as buying shares of your company back from the market, and why you would do that, as well as how to make a good cash flow forecast. As always, please rate us on your podcast app and go follow us on Instagram at Corporate Treasury 101. One last announcement, today is actually the six month anniversary of the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast and Guillaume and I just want to thank all of you for your continued support. And on our six month anniversary, we also hit the milestone of 5,000 downloads for the podcast. So thank you again for all of your support. It's absolutely insane and Guillaume and I really enjoy doing the podcast. So thank you so much and here's to 5,000 more. And with that, on with the episode with Daniel Sanchez. So this is where it gets interesting for our corporate treasury listeners. You're um, essentially uh, managing the <coughs> investment budget of the company or a portion of it, right? So a lot of FMCG companies, a lot of companies in general have very big, let's say, research and development budgets, which engineering is part of as well, but then also into delivery and investing in capacity increases. So say your market is growing, you need to install more factories, you're the ones spending those millions of euros, dollars, etc. right? And your cash flow out is significant to the company's overall balance sheet, mm-hmm. right? What's, what's capital expense? Uh, Expenditure. You mentioned capital specifically. What's that? And what's the capital is the money you need to buy a piece of equipment, the money you need to buy a piece of land, the money you need to buy people to install that piece of equipment, the money you pay your engineers to design it. So that, that's what's capital. Why do we call it capital? It's because this money that you end up paying mm-hmm. ends up being the final value of the asset that you implement. Mm-hmm. Right? So okay. uh, once it becomes part of the final asset of, that you implement, then it becomes part of the ongoing expense in terms of the depreciation. So capital is every single effort and and, uh, and asset that you buy that will translate into something physical that mm-hmm. is used to produce your product. And okay. you can depreciate that asset over multiple years. Yes. Right. So you don't have to spend all... So you spend all the money then, but then the value of that is taken off the books over time. Right. So there's a bit of accounting. So your, your capital... Yeah. impacts so what you spend to buy on that year impacts your cash flow directly yes. mm-hmm. your depreciation will become an ongoing expense so yeah. your exp- your depreciation over year one to year 10 to year 20 will impact the future year cash flows of what the company will have okay okay so the capital is the amount of money that is used in order to implement the structure that will be used over the years to enable the project mm-hmm. And in that, you uh, squeeze in also the people uh, that build it, do some part of the capital expenditure. It's not like operational expenditure, which is the, mm-hmm. the other one. This comes into the capital as well, so you can depreciate the labor, uh, the labor amount of money as well. The objective is not to depreciate the amount of labor as well, but okay. the objective is also to drive efficiency on yeah. it, right? But the truth of the matter is, uh, when you buy a car, 
Yes, right. The price that you pay for that car, which becomes your asset, that mm -hmm. includes the price of the operator that built the car. Okay. It includes a fraction of the engineer that designed that car, right? Mm -hmm. So in companies, you have to translate those same efforts yeah. into the, the equipment factory. that you yeah. will have or the factory that you will have on the line that you have to operate. Okay. Very clear. Um, so we touched upon cash flow and capital and the difference. Mm -hmm. So the cash flow you just mentioned, the amount of money you spend is literally going out of your pocket right now. But accounting wise, you're going to depreciate it. So it's going to be written in the books over the years. Mm -hmm. So we would like to go into a little bit more into cash flow. And I think there is a cash flow target uh, mentioned into those FNCG companies. Mm -hmm. They have a cash flow target yearly. Uh, can you walk us through what that is exactly? So, before talk, so why are targets important on cash flow? Cash flow Indeed. can be used for a series of things. Mm -hmm. Typically, companies use it for uh, paying dividends, if they're paying dividends, okay, right? Buying back shares, right? Which helps them obviously bring in further value. They can be used to create reserves. Reserves can be used to create acquisitions, so, right? When you're looking to grow your business and you want to acquire competition mm -hmm. or a startup, you need to have money yeah. in there. You need to have money somewhere stashed in, 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 in a drawer, right? Um, and then basically capital is the fifth, is the fourth element of that, right? So, okay. which is in the end, it's the, it's the bloodline to keep your business growing. Mm -hmm. If you invest it from your cash flow and you've invested in a, in a wise manner, right? Yeah. You can keep your business growing, you can keep your cash flow growing and you can keep on fulfilling the other three okay. that I mentioned, right? Why are the targets there? Mm -hmm. The targets are there because, as I mentioned before, FMCG well-established companies, they're like the big bolt. The, yes. From a, from a shareholder, from a market value point of view, from a, from a trust point of view, mm -hmm. right? I'm always talking about investor relations. You want to keep the momentum. Yes. And ideally, that momentum is not the flat momentum, but it's a growing momentum. So yeah. that target is there is to ensure that what is being done year on year is allowing you to do those four things. Okay. Pay back your dividends and ideally grow them yeah. on a basis. Uh, buy back shares. Okay. Right? Why so would you do that? You buy back shares. There are a series of reasons you can buy back shares, right? Mm -hmm. So big companies typically offer compensation or certain portions of compensation in stock options. Right? Yes. When those get exercised, the company needs to either buy them back, yeah. right? Uh, or, give them to, or give them to the employees. Mm -hmm. Ideally, there's a recurring in which they buy back. So there needs to be a certain amount of cash flow dedicated to that. Yes. Number two is buying back shares is also one of the best ways to provide shareholder return. What does that mean is as you reduce your number of shares on the market, mm -hmm. and if your earnings is growing, your yeah. earnings per share will grow. Indeed. Your shares will become more attractive. Your market cap becomes more valuable. Your company becomes more attractive, essentially. Okay. right? And that has a series of implications. And I think you've talked that before. One is for financing reasons, for sure. Mm -hmm. right? But then obviously from a, from a shareholder value, that's truly desired. Okay. And so where do they end up exactly? Just out of curiosity. So... Um, a company buys back its shares, so it becomes equity. I mean, it was equity. What's, what's the mechanism here exactly? When the company buys back its shares, it basically takes them away from the market. Okay. Right. So it, pri it privatizes them, so to say. It okay. burns them away. Okay. Right. So uh, if there are 10,000 shares of a company out in the market, yeah. and in a specific year you buy, uh, the company buys 1,000 of them, it's mm -hmm. not that you still have 10,000. No, you will have 9,000 okay. of those out there. 
Okay, so basically on the financial statement, we will see less equity because this equity is not is no longer. You will see less number of shares. Yes, but in principle, your equity, your value, your dollar value should stay the same or higher. Okay, depending okay. on how your earnings are going. Because uh, the earnings per share is what gets adjusted there. That's yes, right. right. Exactly. Because it's less shares, same earnings or greater earnings makes the ratio even better. Yeah. Okay. We bring it back a little bit to corporate treasury. Yes, sorry, but that's fascinating, <laughs> so that's why I'm... The, the cash flow, right? That, mm-hmm. Cash flow is one of the pillars of corporate treasury that we've defined Absolutely. in one of our first episodes. Cash flow we defined as the availability of cash, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so by definition, spending that cash makes it less available. So when you say we impact cash flow um, as a engineering director or as an engineering department that's investing in capital projects, right, we said... Um, you're negatively impacting the cash flow. You're reducing the amount of available cash mm-hmm. the company has because you're spending it, Correct. right? So you have a cash flow target and you explained that the reason for that was why is the target so important? Why do you need to declare cash flow and stick to it? Two things. The targets are important, especially for public companies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Companies that are out in the market that have stocks, that have shareholders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and because performance is whether we whether we like it or not, performance is managed and looked at on a year-on-year basis. Obviously. Those targets are set up on a year-on-year basis, right? So if you have a certain percentage of free cash flow that you want to generate year-on-year, mm-hmm. right, that percentage is what allows you, as I was mentioning before, to pay dividends to your shareholders, mm-hmm. buy back your shares, continue to build, ideally, your reserves, yeah. but it's also what then allows you to make sure that you have the right amount of cash for the next year okay. to keep on investing back into the business and, and growing it the project. and fund your projects. Okay. So the cash flow targets are important for all that. So it's not only giving investor confidence by showing that mm-hmm. you've set a target and you hit it, um, but also so you can project what's going to happen next year. Right. Exactly. Okay. You you know that you're protected in terms of what is going to happen next year. Then obviously it's not only a year on year base because investors and trust in companies comes from a history of performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that history of performance, that history of targets, and the value that you're generating is what keeps on giving the boat the momentum. Mm. It so you're not looking quarter to quarter. You're looking year to year or years. Year to year is very very important. Right. Uh, when it comes to investors, quarter to quarter might be important yeah. to read into the signals. Yeah. Right. To see directionally. Yeah. To see directionally how things are going. Right. But this is where this is this is more financial analysis more than uh, corporate treasury. Indeed. Okay. What we like to do in this podcast is well, obviously talk about the what. What is it? Uh, cash flow targets. Why do you set them up? Now, we like also to ask, how do you do that? Like, mm-hmm. how do you say, okay, this year we're going to have these cash flow targets? How is it set exactly in FMCG companies? So, like everything, so the first thing is we plan, right? That's what we yeah. do. What, what we mean, what do I mean by we plan? The part that we plan is we forecast. So, uh, we're not working today on the project we need to do tomorrow and working on tomorrow the project that we need to do the day after, Indeed. right? As I mentioned before, there's the strategy element where we do have a vision of, two, three, four, five years out, right? So there is, let's call it what would be the short-term forecasting, Mm -hmm. which would be the forecasting for the next year. Okay. Typically, it starts well ahead the beginning of the year because you have to go through the iteration process, right? You need to understand how many projects are on my wish list, right? Or what do I want to do on my wish list? Okay. What is the business planning to do, right? Are these two matching? 
and then taking the decisions so that we can firm up what actually is going to be the budget for the next 12 months. Okay. And that gives us the forecast for the next 12 months in terms of what am I going to spend from January to December. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that once we have that narrowed down, that allows us to tell the business I'm spending 2 million in January, 3 million in February, etc. And the business from there can forecast the remainder of their cash okay. net or cash out to predict what the cash flow is going to be for the company. Okay. And are we within target or not? Okay. Then you also have the long-term investing, right? Because as I mentioned before, not all of our projects are month-based. Some of them mm-hmm. are year-based, okay. right? Uh, also, consumer products are forecasted on a growth basis, mm-hmm. right? Is how much is it going to grow in the next 24, 36, 48 months? Okay. Right? So that also needs to come into the picture, but more of a strategic element, right? So what does that tell me? It tells me if... Um, a product that I want to make in two years' time will no longer have enough capacity or equipment to produce it mm-hmm. means that at a certain point in time, the company needs to take a decision. Yeah. Either we stick with what we can make and we won't sell anymore, or we decide to invest. And those type of investments have a longer time horizon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what I talked about. The plan, there's the short term, yeah. and that's the 12-month, and that's really what matters a hundred percent from the inputs into the company's financials and then there's the long term which is what allows the company to take the strategic decisions okay okay planning is relatively easy Mm -hmm. the second part comes to executing right basically what we mean by executing is executing and monitoring we set up a plan for the 12 months Mm -hmm. so then we have to look at what is our process going to be from daily weekly monthly quarterly and yearly basis to make sure that every single project manager knows what she or he is spending, right? How is that relating to the forecast? Mm -hmm. And how are we managing any specific changes, right? And this needs to be done, like I mentioned before, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly basis because there are changes. The business is dynamic, right? Things start, things stop, things get delayed, uh, someone falls sick, Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of reasons for which these need to be managed, but because there is one, a target, and because the consequences of not meeting that target could have an impact, mm-hmm. these changes ideally need to get managed. Okay. Right? So it's not only an exercise that you uh, plan super early, so even before that the year comes, part of the long-term planning that happened some years ago, mm-hmm. because you look at exactly. for coming years. Yeah. You also need to be super accurate when you start the fiscal year, I imagine, mm-hmm. with the setup of the targets. And then you need to monitor and direct to drive the big boat, as you just exactly. mentioned. Okay, and I pretty much like the concept of wish list. So you have a, a list of projects, of which I guess you look at the NPV and the ROR that we just mm-hmm. talked about. And then you select the project you want to implement for this year and you set up the cash flow targets according to those stats. The, the cash flow target is set up ahead. Okay. Right? Because because most of these companies come with a series of histories. Yeah. Right? And they come with a long-term vision. Okay. Even before I started in the company. Right? Okay. Uh, these these targets are already set up, typically. Right? Okay. Or they're very, very closely set up. Yes? Uh, so that doesn't mean that from an investment point of view, one year I can do half a million and the other year I can do 20 million. Mm-hmm. No, not necessarily. It needs to be, it needs to be standard. within a, a standard, right? Okay. But as I mentioned before in the year, that early 
part planning part of the process mm -hmm. the process is iterative right and as i mentioned is the business does make choices so there are okay. moments in which sacrifices might be made because there is a strategic investment mm -hmm. and that it needs to come with communication or if we're in let's call it normal growth mode right is what are the choices that need to be taken to either one a project that i need to take off the list because okay. it's hurting my cash flow or maybe a project that i need to put into the list because it will help my productivity on that specific year okay right? so it's an iterative process that goes until the moment in which we really need to close the books and say this is going to be our year okay can you take out a project after it has been started like okay this actually doesn't bring at all the npv or the error we expect we were expecting or all of a sudden we foresee that the product that was meant to be out of this project is not going to be sold anymore because there is a market, uh, mm -hmm. trend change whatsoever does it happen to like uh, stop a project anything can happen yes. okay yes uh, to completely stop a project small scale projects that can happen a lot of times okay it happens in early phases mm -hmm. of the project right okay. so uh, as i mentioned before and i'll keep on mentioning this is established <laughs> companies right yes. there, there there is a tendency to be very conservative mm -hmm. when it comes to cash flow impacts okay. when it comes to impacts on the treasury right uh it can happen late in the process as well but that's more rare okay it more hap more often happens that it's not necessarily stopped okay. but delayed right okay uh than anything else yeah and you can even like do you ever move projects around like even slow down the execution of a project to help your cash flow targets a little bit or speed them up to help your cash flow targets like the project themselves no right i mean uh, typically when you have a market window where you need to launch you need to yeah. launch mm -hmm. no, there's there's no going back right customers are counting on you consumers are counting on you you do not want to break that trust that's 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 what pays our our yeah. salary at the end of the month right mm -hmm. sure. uh, but within the engineering framework within the project management framework there are ways in which you can handle that right mm -hmm. uh, you can either put projects on hold which are maybe not externally impacting so productivity project which only impacts internally you say okay i'll slow this down because the productivity hurt or the cash flow hurt is going to be too much mm -hmm. or you can accelerate uh, projects that might have been in the pipeline for the next fiscal year yeah. when there is a clear opportunity right okay. so imagine there's a huge bump up in the sales of a company mm -hmm. and uh, you want to make use of that momentum to build in further growth you have that opportunity but yeah. once again these are always decisions that get taken at uh high level yeah mm. okay super clear um so i guess the challenge here is not only to set the target but then to achieve them with as much accuracy as possible how do you do that on a i mean how does that translate into your job mm. the day-to-day -day job or as a director in, a, in engineering okay. so we talked about the plan we talked about the forecasting right mm -hmm. but these organizations my organization they're they're big organizations right yes. you have uh tens, twenties, thirties of people who are managing different projects across different regions, mm -hmm. right? So in the end, it's, it's a process where things start at the lower level, right? So okay. let's call it, it's maybe either a specific product or a specific region where you have that drumbeat that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. weekly, monthly, and people are looking at where are we versus target, what are the deviations, any possibility to compensate, right? So it's, it's a dynamic process. And in the end, it's as simple as sitting around the table, looking at the data and taking the decision. Mm -hmm. Then basically that process has to get scaled up. It has to get scaled up in two directions. One, 
you need to go from the local level, yeah. whether it is country, product, platform, or regional level, it needs to scale up to the global level because okay. in the end, corporate treasury in a big company is global. Yeah, Every region has its impact, right? So we scale up in that factor and then pull up the number into the specific target that is that that company has. Mm-hmm. And then the other factor that we scale up is throughout the throughout the year, right? Okay. Monthly is important. Quarterly is a higher level of importance. Yeah. Yearly is super important. Okay. Right? Because in public companies, you do issue official reports on a mm-hmm. quarterly basis. So that's where you want to make sure your indications are right. Yeah. Right? And then obviously, when you close a year, that's when uh, all the cards are laid out on the table. Okay. And so, touching upon that... You want to be as accurate as possible. Do you also seek um, going above target? And by that, I mean either spending less or earning more. Or do you want to remain into that specific window that has been set no matter what? So you won't look at, okay, it seems that we are not spending as much as we expected on this project. It could be seen as a super good thing because you are spending less. So the ROI will be better. The NPV will be better. Mm -hmm. How do you monitor this exactly? This is the importance of the scaling part, right? Okay. Because it's not one project that typically drives these companies. It's mm-hmm. multiple projects. So, of course. Indeed, there are always projects that are spending less, always projects that are spending more. Mm-hmm. But the scaling part of moving from the local level to the regional and global level is super important because yeah. in the end, it's checks and balances at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the sooner you are doing that process, and that's why it's important to do the monthly drumbeat, the sooner you can intervene, right? Okay. Uh, so what you want to do is you want to, the ideal way that the cash spends is you see a, a linear chart from the bottom left to mm-hmm. the top right where there's your 100%. Yeah. The matter is that fluctuates over time. That okay. scaling and that looking at where a project is spending less or a project is spending more allows the right people to take decisions, right? Okay. Either we stop, we start, or we accelerate. What's okay. wrong with spending less? That doesn't make any sense. Like, surely spending less is a good thing. You said, like, we need to check if someone's spending less and then compensate. Like, spending less should be a good thing at a company level, right? There are two things. So, spending less spending less is always a good thing, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, but the way... And now I'm going to talk with an engineer's hat on. Yes, Very uh, good. Engineers, we're, 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 we're freaks, <laughs> yes? <laughs> spending less consistently means that there's something wrong in the process, right? Okay. So, what are you doing is... Imagine 50% of your projects spend 50% less. I'm exaggerating, mm-hmm. yes, but for the sake of the exercise. Perfect. At the beginning of the year, you've told externally you would be spending something from okay. a cash flow target. It didn't necessarily say that it's going to be project X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. But your capital projects spend 50% less. And you end up at the end of the fiscal year with that amount of money spent less. Yeah. That is a lost opportunity for the company throughout okay. that year, which... Already, the company was counting on spending that money, mm-hmm. mainly on capital projects, but it could have been spent on several other activities. It could have been spent on discounting product to sell more. Yeah. It could have been spent on R&D for new products, right? So it's good to spend less when it is intentional. Mm-hmm. It's okay. not good to spend less when it happens by chance. Because right? the company loses out on spending that money on something else because you said you would spend it this exactly. year. So they said, okay, we're not going to touch this money. If you come back and say, hey, guys, I didn't spend it. They're like, well, we're glad, but you know, we could have spent this money on something, something else. else. Instead, it's just cash sitting Indeed. in our bank account. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Indeed. That's a good That's reason. Absolutely correct. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So the, the objective is more you had a target and you missed it. So you said, I like this idea of 
something wrong with the process. If you're consistently spending too little, yeah, you're setting the wrong targets. And then like your the faith in your company's like ability to project manage, your faith in your company's ability to say do what it says, even if it turned out positively, but in that specific context, do what it says could could be ha- could, hampered. Yes, yes. If it happens repeated, for sure trust gets eroded, right? Very clear. Anything else you would like uh, to add to help us like better understand the implication of cash management because this is what we're talking about here. Cash flow forecasting, cash flow spending. Um, as a project manager, <laughs> anything else we missed? Uh, I think the, the only thing is as project managers, but mainly as it's called from an engineering point of view, mm-hmm. the other thing that we need to take into account, it's not only capital that has the direct impact on cash flow, right? Okay. There is an organization behind it. Yeah. Right? And, as, and as I mentioned before, early on in the episode, I think I mentioned one of the things that we do is it's the endless search for productivity, yes. right? So it's not only the management of capital, but it's also the management of resources, right? So okay. the amount of engineers you need, the budget that you have to manage those engineers that is not necessarily project related, mm-hmm. right? That is also very, very important, right? Because that even though that does not impact your cash flow, it does impact your overall budget for the fiscal year. Right. Okay. So it actually tells Daniel, I spent 100,000 last year. What's my ability now in the future to spend 98 and in the future to spend 96 mm-hmm. and in the future to spend 95 whilst delivering my cash flow targets, whilst delivering the product innovation, whilst delivering um, the, 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 the projects needed. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not only about making things come to life on the shelf, but it's also how to manage an organization. And an organization in the end is an expenditure for mm-hmm. the company and an expenditure as you know impacts corporate treasury yeah absolutely super clear, super clear.